Across the Streams Podcast, Listen Up is back. Season 6 is here. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably heard our first round interview with Dr. Heather Bacon, mental health specialist and founder uh, of her own practice in, in rural Oregon, doing great work there. And then last week, you probably heard us talking about the education in the pandemic. Part three, round table of vice principals, behavior specialists and teachers talking about surviving the pandemic, both as professionals and helping kids get through it. But David Gunn is back for our Listen Up sixth year of uh, having him as a regular contributor on here. How you doing, sir? I am doing well. That sounds nuts, man. Six years. Right? I, maybe it's six seasons, but crammed into at least four or five years. Like we've been doing it a minute now. Wow. No, I'm good, bro. Hey, I, I heard you made your ba- your wife texted me a photo of you in your basketball <laughs> coaching debut. Explain to the audience. Yeah, so I've got a fifth grader. So at our school they make it a big thing. It's every year the fifth graders play that current group of fifth graders play the the teachers and the principal in a basketball game. So they make it this huge deal, right? They play it at, uh, you know, this year they played it at this uh, arena, like a civic center. Yeah, it looked like a big, like it looked like a big deal. So they asked me to coach, right? So, you know, my daughter, they don't play basketball at all, like zero basketball. Uh, so I coached and, uh, you know, I was out there just getting these kids hyped. <laughs> and... But it, it was challenging because there, I don't know, there was probably, I don't know, 40, 50 kids, right? Oh. So you got to try to squeeze playing time. Right. And, you know, they're just, it's a madhouse, right? Just trying to round up all of these kids to get playing time. They go on and play the teachers. But, man, I'm telling you, Kip, you got a recruit on your head. <laughs> yeah. This was so good. This kid was so good. He was man. dialed. Uh, man, he was doing them teachers. <laughs> all around. He's got the step back, Jay. What? I'm telling you, this fifth grader is nice. Uh, but yeah, we ended up winning, beat the teachers. This is the first time ever. So the school's been open, I don't know, 10 years maybe, something like that. Yeah. First time ever the fifth graders won, so it was like a huge deal. Nah, I, it looked like an event. I am retired. You should, retired. yes. George Costanza, walk out, drop the mic, see ya. What an O. No, it looked like a big event. I can remember... When I was teaching at McKay for those seven, eight years, and I still had a little bit of athleticism in my body, the staff-teacher game was a big deal. In the last couple of years, they let the boys' basketball team actually play in it. They Before, they were like, no, you played on varsity. You can't play in this. The teachers need a, need a chance. So we went from winning by a lot to, hey, wait a minute. We better take a timeout, <laughs> figure something out here, because we can't guard that kid. Uh, oh, I can tell you, I, I guarantee you those teachers in the next day were feeling it. Yeah. Yep, and if, if fifth graders giving you buckets, that's a tough walk down that hallway the next day. Well, I mean, typically, because like, we've been to a couple of the games, right? Yeah. Each, each year, like we've gone to like, I think for two or three years, we've gone to the games to watch either neighbor kids or something. And typically, you know, the, the kids, they only score like maybe 20, maybe 30 points. Right? I think we scored like mid-50s. Like, hey. kids are like hooping. Yeah, that's fun. It's not fun shuffling in and out 40 people. It's not fun shuffling in and out eight in a rotation, much, much less 40. So I don't envy you taking up that. That's funny. It makes me think of a longtime buddy of ours, Mike Schwab, who's been on here. He texted me that his his coaching season debut ended with, I think, his daughter. I mean, it might they might be sixth graders, but they lost a championship. And he was like, how do you do this? I'm devastated. I can't get out of bed. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. Yeah, man. So, hey, I was we got a we got some deep dive discussions today talking language of change. But I did want to shout out to our old hometown heroes segment. Number one, a guy we played against, but also grew up idolizing, Danny Sprinkle and the Montana State Bobcats going dancing. Do you remember that team that played Syracuse when we were still in high school? Right? The last time, I think if Scott Hatler was still on that team. I think going into halftime, they were only down by like one or two. Yes. Right? So huge shout out to Sprinks and the and the Bobcat crew. They're going back for the first time since that '96. They won yesterday. And then did you see Billing Skyview girls basketball state yeah. champs? That made me think of the only other time they'd ever been in the game. We were seniors front row. Talking a lot of trash, probably inappropriately, to the women's team at Bozeman as our girls were trying to win the state title. Absolutely, man. They've got a, uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I've been following them a little bit this year. they got a sophomore on that team that's been pretty dominant. Uh, I don't know if Oh, yeah, is that Bailey Williams, I think, is the name. It's crazy, man, like sports connect the world because they beat Hellgate and uh, people on here, my godparents, the Boyles, their granddaughter, Lauren Dick, was one of the stars of the Hellgate team they beat. But also my longtime assistant here at Willamette who moved on to the University of Montana and now is uh, doing some scout work, his daughter, Alex Coville, she was the Hellgate big inside. There was like a big D1 battle inside at the Metro yesterday. And then Drew Hawes, who was on the podcast last year, and you and I's longtime friend, his senior high Bronx team went down in a great battle with Bozeman in the semis. So it's still. Yeah, sti- man, they made a good run. Yeah, and his son Chaz was balling. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, I was at, I was recruiting this week. I was at the Oregon State Tournament. Um, 6A, the highest level. And there's nothing like a state tournament. I, didn't you go to state playoffs a couple like weeks ago? There's nothing like high school sports, I swear. It's still like you smell the popcorn, the pep band, the kids were back in there. It was irrational craziness, but at the time it means everything, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, go ahead. No, I was going to say I went to, uh, yeah, I went to our local one in 7A, and I went to the uh, Elite Eight game, mm. right? Our, our local high school was in it, and it was crazy, right? They were playing. So our local high school, it's, you know, it's, it's a good mix in, in terms of uh, the kids that go to the high school, right? Yeah. White, Korean, Asian, uh, Latino. But um, we were playing a pretty much an all-black school, right, mm-hmm. in South Georgia. But they were their cheerleading squad, dog. Like, I'm telling Live. you, it was just night and day. Like, yes. That was, that was the entertainment Right. Rhythm. Yes, I can imagine. Hey, well, let's deep dive into what we're doing. Usually, listen up started with us giving our uh, podcast recommendations for folks, and then as our podcast library capacity kind of waned and during the pandemic, uh, we we moved into di- different topics and deeper topics. Um, today's episode, I want to get real literal with the, you know, the concept, listen up. So I'm framing it as you and I, and the different hats we wear, how do we actually get the people we encounter and we interact with to listen up? 
like what let's deep dive language of change it's been on my mind um you know in my role as a coach but also with teams of men trying to get folks to, to refocus and redefine their masculinity but then another one of your your texts that we do often uh had me thinking about this so let's start here as athletes right you know you obviously played at a high level in football you know as athletes we enjoyed what you would call a successful career can you think of a time or maybe even a way that coaches actually caused you to course correct and add or subtract something from your game so this one was uh this one was tough right yeah i i like literally gave this a lot of thought and part of it is you know i don't know and i think it's hard right because i think coaching is so different now than kind of what it was like you know, when we were growing up, kind of the the old style. I, I don't think there was as much known about how to get through to kids. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, they talk about the 80-20 rule and, like, in, in any type of uh, teaching, learning environment, right, that you should really be spending the majority of your time with the kids that are already kind of get it to make them better, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's so often that people spend the majority of their time with those that are either don't get it, right? Don't yeah. want to get it, right? But that's where all their time and attention yeah. is focused. And I felt like that's probably what happened a lot because I'm just trying, I always, like I literally rack my brain, like who was a coach that significantly made that impact on my life that either helped me professionally, personally. And like, I can't, honestly can't even think about it. Like, I yeah. think about like, I don't know if I ever have been coached hard enough. Ah, yeah. To that standpoint where it truly made an impact that it affected my game significantly where I needed to go, you know what, he or she did this that made me go add this and, and, and improve this. Yeah. So the only thing that really kind of comes to mind is, you know, public ridicule, right? Okay. Embarrassment, right? Yeah. Or what I've seen does embarrassment. I'll give you an example. So going into my senior year of college, just came off my, my first year at UNI. Pretty good year, right? Yeah. You know, all conference, all newcomer team, all of that stuff. Right. And going into my senior year, I was preseason All-American, right? Right, right. But in our coming out of spring ball, right, into our going into our senior year, in our program guide, the coaches, you know, they have, you know, each player's listed with their auto, their biography. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. And the coach put in mind competing for a starting job, right? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, right. That was like, right. So that, that to me was like public ridicule embarrassment, right? Yeah. To a certain extent. You know, I don't know. Even though Streets and Smiths had you listed. What's that? Even though Streets and Smiths had you on the preseason team. Correct. It's all yeah. American where my coach right. had me as competing for a starting job on the team, right? So did it did it necessarily make me go add additional stuff to my game? I don't know. It probably added a little more fuel to the fire, though. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. I was thinking of this same thing. I remember different little nuggets. Like, I remember Coach Larry Newell telling us in the backfield of the wing tee to plant the outside foot and get vertical quick. Right, and exp- I remember him demoing that, driving his cleated foot into the ground on that terrible practice field up at Skyview. Like I remember that detail, 
But I don't did that. I don't did I remember that going forward? I don't know either. I I remember. I don't know if I remember any pregame speeches. Right, that just got me hyped. I don't know if that was. I know Coach Gordy James here when I started two games as a freshman and then didn't start for months. That pissed me off. Similar to you. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that was it. Like removing. Maybe removing or, or like adding that carrot at the end of the stick, like, yo, you got to run what I want to run, or you're not going to be in the game. Um, I was thinking about that because I'm, I literally exist in that world, right? Like, aren't I? My job is to try to get these kids to, on my team, to embrace what we identify together as this is where you could be. How do you get there? You have to change some things. And it's not as easy as just a stat sheet, right? Like we, we're trying this year around, this time around in our exit meetings coming up, we ask the guys to identify this. Like, hey, tell me, here's five choices. What is your language of change that will get you to buy in and motivated to add to your game? So we gave them like, hey, are you a regular box score guy? Are you an advanced analytics guy? Are you a film, just show me clips of me failing or succeeding guy? Are you an opposing coach's scout guy? Like, I want to hear what the other team says about me and have it piss me off. So I'm going to try that because I know in the past, I speak stats. So like if, if I, when I was playing, if my percentage was low, that's obviously like, dude, mix in a make from three-point line maybe one time. You should go work on that, right? But maybe these guys are all that intrinsic motivation we're talking about when somebody doesn't believe in them. I don't know. Like it's, it's. I think it's taken for granted. Like, hey, if he yells louder, they'll just do it more. That ain't the case. I'm here to tell you, right? That's that's not how it works. So I and now thinking about us and what do we do, like combine thirty years of athletic career, and we're having a hard time remembering somebody that got us. Like we definitely evolved, right? As players, we added and improved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, and again, I don't know if that's my own. Like, was I not paying attention to? Did I not? Was I not receiving coaching? Was I not in that headspace? Or did I really just not have a coach get through to you? Something? Oh, like, right. That was impactful. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of. I think about that every now and then, and it could have been just my own reluctance, right? Right, right. And I think I definitely, like in the college setting, I definitely learned more about basketball from how our coach here approached the game and taught the game. I learned more. But I'm trying to remember if there was like a singular moment where he said, hey, you, Kip, need to do A, B, and C. And that next morning, boy, I was up there at 5 a.m. doing A, B, and C. Right, I probably was already going to get up and go lift. You know, you know what I mean. I don't know, and I don't want to yeah, sell them that, short. You know, I think some of this comes to you know whether it's you or myself or whatever. Right, for the most part, right. Mm -hmm. Not saying that we were super great at any one thing, but we were pretty good at most. Yeah. Things, right. So when you're pretty good at most things, and I think we pretty good at following directions. Don't give a lot of pushback, and we're going to go out and do our job, do it yeah. fairly well. Right. This is where it comes into is coaches will tend to, all right, they get it. They don't invest as much time in, right? And right. That's, how that's, a, that's a great point. They just yeah. do their job. Right. Now, let me go focus on this kid who's over here uh, picking dandelions in the grass, yeah. right? And, yeah. And try to work with them. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's all, yeah, like the drill killer 
gets the focus of your of your time during the 10 minute segment but meanwhile you know the nine kids that are fine are just going through the reps and you're trying to help the kid that you know crossed his feet and fell down um right so does that you know and again that, that's depending at which level you're at right or does that stunt a kid from potentially being really great right because right? he hasn't necessarily got that individualized attention and coaching right because i think to a certain extent like most most people not most i think a lot would be their their language would just kind of come from just attention right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they want attention or the, yes uh, the achievement yeah of that coach yeah 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 that's a great point so flip that and i sent this to you too as an employer right you know you're an entrepreneur business owner you hire and fire people for a living how do you Wait, Kira, Kira, I've yes never fired anyone that's a good point. Thank you. You're right. You're right. Uh, what? How does this work in that when you're wearing that hat? Do you have to go? What's your go-to way to try to improve employees? Okay, do it. My go-to one here is public ridicule. Mm. So, so, and, and like, I think, uh, and again, this all comes from first. You have to have a good relationship, right? Yeah. With, 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 with your team, right? Because public ridicule without a good relationship is all kinds of trouble. Yeah. And so, for example, we do, and I'll just speak to my logistic company where with my drivers. So yeah. we have, uh, we use an app for our communication, right? That we communicate everything through an app and everybody gets that communication directly to them. Yeah. Um, so, and we have different chat groups within that, that app. So I have one titled, What Not To Do. Mm, okay. So in here, cause I got sick and tired of, I would always talk to my team about, you know, if they get stuck, getting stuck is a big thing in this industry as far as like you, you go off the pavement, you try to turn around in the driveway and these, our trucks always get stuck in okay. these yards and, and grass. And, yeah. and then we have to call, a, a winch to come winch them out and it costs a lot of money and it tears up people's yards it's right. just a big deal right right so i can talk to them blue in the face and every day and tell my team do not leave the pavement you think it would be something simple but you would think yes I'm telling you it happens every day so i start i made a, a a group chat called what not to do so anybody that got stuck they had to send me a picture of a wide angle view okay of okay the vehicle yeah so i started posting it in the what not to do and then i would add that person so the whole team would see who got stuck and how they got stuck yes yes gotcha but then there's a coaching piece behind it too where we put the better option would have been to do this mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. remember when i told you about the the person that ran into the house yes a full house hit yes that was in my what not to do right? <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's funny because the team gets a laugh out of it right but it draws their attention to it. Yeah. So they learn better because they're actually, because at, at any point, right, you hear someone's voice, it just drowns out, right? It's like right. noise. Right. And now they got a visual. Mm -hmm. and nobody, I'm telling you, nobody wants their name associated with that. See, voice. you're basically running game film sessions, right? With still shots. Right. Right. And so that's, no, I, I get that. You're totally right. But exactly what you mentioned, like in a team environment for me, we've tried to over the last three years go from the 20 people and Kip cussing at the big screen to small groups. I still might be mad, but it's individual on the couch in the nest. 
So like you mentioned, the relationship-based, hey, you're in here with me, your position coach, we're in a good space, we know we're in here to improve, so we're going to show shitty stuff, right? But also then sometimes you're just like, yeah, we cannot not call out this horrible five minutes in this game. They all have to see it. So maybe if that language is like, um, like you said, it's a avoidance, public ridicule avoidance, right? How do I not be on blast? But then is that right. purely visual? Um, it's not always visual too because, uh, so we do it, so every morning we have a, a meeting, stand-up meeting with the team before we head out for about five minutes. So we call out the dumb shit. Like, mm. you know, just to call, you know, to be as blunt as it yeah. is. And we say who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it gets a laugh out of the team to a certain extent. But again, nobody wants their name. And again, you can kind of think about this in anything, right? Whether yeah. it's school, business, athletics. You never want your name associated with anything bad. I, I kind of always think about um, Nick Carpenter getting called out for that, that cheap block yes. in high school. Nobody wanted to. Yes. Right? Right. And nobody ever wanted to go to film session the next day and get ripped. Right. right? So you, we would always talk about it like, oh, shit, did I do this? I'm right. I hope not. I don't want to get. Right. Right. So um, that, but then also just in, 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 in my world, money talks as well. So that's always the language. Yeah. Like, right. 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 That positive reinforcement. And I use, I use money. Right. So right. I give out gift cards, you know, uh, food cards, you know, I might switch into with the gas prices now, I might switch to gas cards. Yeah, right. But that that always talks to kind of get some of the behaviors uh, that that I need or want. Right. right? That goes to that. There's I don't. I, I wish I could attribute it to the right person who originated, it, but it's been stolen by so many of us now. If you want to reinforce something, praise it. Right. And so it's like you're saying, like we do a bunch of visual posts on social media for habits. Guys that have winning habits will post it every month. Um, you know, it's on time to class, on time with stuff turned in, on time to the weight room. They get winner points and we post it. And so we're trying to use that carrot as well. Um, which one is more effective? Maybe that is individually per person, right? And that's the great, uh, the great uh, formula to be solved is per, per employee, per player, which one drives who. But you got to find a, the abundance to drive the whole program or the whole company. We got to be going together, Right. What does that look like then as a dad with your daughters? Because isn't that our job to hopefully tr- build behaviors in them to change behaviors that are problematic? Yeah, I mean, obviously. you got a you got a what not to do with the girls. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's funny because our me and my wife's like friend groups or like parents and whatnot. They're always. Uh, You know, most of the time with your kids, you're kind of like if they if they draw a picture from school or something, and you're always kind of like, oh, that's so great, and da da da, and like so they call us to keep it real, parents. <laughs> we thought I would tell our kids that's trash, <laughs> and it's you know, it, it. I think we've that's kind of what it's just what me and Janelle have always done from the get with with our kids is kind of be brutally honest with mm-hmm. stuff like. If they're half-assing their effort, they're going to get caught out on their effort. Right. And sometimes, it, it, and I'm giving you, like, example, like, it will bring tears. Like, 
so we had my girls are big gym, gymnasts, right? Right. We, we mentioned that on here, and they have meets all the time. And um, I try to be the dad that stays in the background, but you know, I'm also as I've been involved in the gymnastics world for the next last I don't know how many years, I think I've learned a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very observant, right? So I try to. You know, show them what's missed. I film everything, and then when they're done, get out the beat. We watch the film, and we go back over it, and you know, yeah. kind of touch on what went well, what didn't go well. But also, man, when they hear some of that that negative critique, it, yeah, it's tears will come out. And I, I told my daughter the other day, like she had a meeting, it wasn't her best. I said, you know, you did a great great job here and there, but it wasn't your best meet. And she was like, why are you always so negative? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm gonna tell you. Like, you want me to, to tell you everything was fantastic or was it a great meeting? She's like, well, no. I go, well, I'm just telling you. Right. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. So, uh, uh, that, that's how I, my wife have kind of approached it. Really, yeah. Is to kind of be as honest as possible, you know, obviously. And then, you know, the language is also with just time and attention, right? Yeah. Show them that I give a shit about it. Right. Is that, uh, you know, I'm heavily invested in, in them getting better if that's what they want. Right, but right. We always focus it back on what do you want? Do you want it? If you want to continue to strive toward to be a college gymnast, then here's what, here's yeah. what you got to do, right? Right. But if you want to just, if this is just for fun and you want to just do it from a rec standpoint, then I wouldn't be as critical. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's not as serious, but if you want to be a college athlete, I've done it. Right. Right. It sounds. It sounds to me like your hashtag would be "Love them to the truth." That's a good way to put it. Right. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's a that's where it's similar thought process for us is identifying what's their give a shit for Kelly and I. What's the kids give a shit in this? Right. Similar to you guys. Like if you are in this because you have expectations of greatness, well then Coach Kip's probably going to have to talk about your crossover. Right. But if my like that's Leah, like Leah has expectations of what she wants to do as a hooper, as a track athlete. She has expectations for herself. So she gets more um, when she's open to it, when she asks me. Right. When she's like, Dad, what did you think? Which isn't all the time. So I try to shut my mouth unless she asks me about it. Um, But Lincoln's. Yes. Oh, my God. Especially in hoops. But I, I don't want her terrified of me at the games. Right. I just don't I don't want her to exist in that world. Um, but Lincoln's give a shit level for these things is more recreational and I like my guys on the team. So I don't bring the, uh, well, dude, you know, unless he asked me, like, what do you think? We had an honest conversation this season in hoops about halfway through. It was like, you know, I think I should play more. And so then I got to flip to, oh, really? Well, let me, let me tell you as somebody who takes these conversations on the daily about playing time, what is it that you do that you think makes, allows you to earn that playing time? He's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're not going to go to your coach and say, I want more playing time without receipts of why you think you've earned it, right? And I said, do you go early? And I was, I was going to say, I know, motherfucker, you don't because I take your ass 10 minutes before, right? I said, so check that one off. No, you don't have that receipt. Do you stay late? No, okay. Do you go as hard as you possibly can all practice? Do you come out like exhausted? He was like, nah. And I was like, so here's my thing, man. Do you want to go to her without any bullets in the gun for this conversation? Or do you want to change some behaviors first? Do you want to try these things first? 
And he was like, uh, I said, I, you, you decide. But you're not going to catch me say, telling your coach that you should play more when you don't do anything to earn it. So that, But that was like the first time where he decided he wanted more out of it. And so then he got a little bit more truth from us, right? So I, I think we're on the same wavelength. If they have identified it as something they want to do, well, then we we got to bring the stick a little bit more than the carrot sometimes, right? Um, what about, like, aside from athletics, what about grades or, you know, choices in life? Is it similar? Yeah, so, yeah, with, with, with grades, man, that's always been, you know, I think we've been really, really lucky and, and blessed in that aspect, right? Like, our kids, and it's probably, like I'm, I give my discredit all to my wife, coming from my wife, like, that has never been really any struggle, anything. Mm. Like, our, both of our girls are just super motivated to perform extremely well yeah. in high school. Like, and, and that's with, like, zero pressure from us. Like, we don't put any type of pressure on it, right? They yeah. just, from day one, have been just motivated as hell to perform as best they can. And and they've always done extremely, extremely well so far. So I'll, I'll knock on wood there. So, right. You know, I really haven't had to broach it. Yeah, oh, mean, nice. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. The, I think we're... I, I was thinking back to, like, when we were in school, right? I was telling my wife this story. Like, I remember vividly thinking to myself, God, I really wish my parents would be cool with an 86 on a test. But now as I think about it, I don't think I was cool with an 86. I think I like to put it, like, on them. Like, well, my my parents, they want me to study. I think I kind of like being 4.0, right? Um, Leah's like that. I, she wants the achievement herself, so she's got to count. Like, I, same as you. Like, I don't have to tell her nothing. She'll be in there like, no, I can't do that. I got to get assignments done. And I'm like, when's it due? And she's like, a week and a half from now. And I'm like, oh, you're just like me. I'm not going to tell you they'd not get it done early, but you are. But then meanwhile, Lincoln's like, yeah, I got a test tomorrow. About six hours from now, I'm good. Clone Wars. Here we go. But he gets, he got a 4.0. So I, I don't know, man. I think it's, once again, language of change when it's needed. Which, the audience, is it a character stick audience with them? I don't I don't know. Yeah, this one, is, you know, I, I struggle with, and I was kind of thinking about this because I really have given it zero thought, right? Yeah. And you sent me that, that question. I thought about it from a grades perspective. I was like, but damn, at some point that's going to have to change, right? Because school gets harder. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> As they're moving up. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, since like Kira, she's taking a lot of like advanced classes. And, like, next year in eighth grade, she'll be taking you know, high school classes that are going to be more challenging, uh, you know, what's that going to sound like? It's almost like, do I have to dial her back that mm. say an 88% is okay? Right. You see, because we, yes, because we start talking about mental health, right? Because there is some of this for achievers, which is great for us as parents when we don't have to worry about them. But we do need to worry. I think we need to be cognizant of how much they worry about themselves sometimes. But yeah, I, I, I know I've used the money thing you talked about with my oldest because he has all these dreams of paleontology and these schools he's already looked up, which is great. But I'm like, dude, you know if you get an 88 South Salem freshman chemistry, Stanford's not letting you in. I know I've said that shit, right? And I've also said, dad can't afford Berkeley. That can't happen either. You, got, you have to find a way to pay for this, but I don't know if that's healthy. To heap on them that way as well, but it's kind of reality, right? Yeah, it's super reality. 
you yeah. know, as these kids get a little bit older now, right? Mm-hmm. Everything, uh, everything they do matters now. Yes. And I've tried to use, like, my kids are always on to me when they're like, or I sit them down like, hey, let me tell you something. They're like, what did your players do today? How did they mess <laughs> up that's going to affect my life? But I've been trying to use recruits lately because if certain recruits of ours that didn't get the package they wanted from a high academic place like Willamette, it literally could be because of a C- minus when they were freshmen that screwed their GPA and that cost them $5,000 in a package. And now they can't pick us, right? But I, so that is the language of change for my kids, pure fear, like the fear of what could happen if they fail. But I, yeah, that's kind of the world. But I, I don't want this little anxiety-fueled child running around hopped up on coffee studying at night either. I don't know, man. See, like, it's, it's so funny you say that because uh, Mila, my youngest, right, a fifth grader, I, her aspiration is University of Georgia. Okay. And I'm like, great. And just for, like, the first time the other day, she said she doesn't think she wants to be a college gymnast. And I okay. Said, well, that, like, shocked me, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good. Well done. Did you, did your parents, like, I remember my dad and my mom specifically saying, if you don't want to go to school in Montana, you're going to have to get scholarship, right? Like, I, vividly. I don't know when it started, but, like, if you don't want to just go to Montana Montana State, you're going to have to get somebody to take you out of here because we don't got the money. And they weren't lying. <laughs> they were not lying. So, and I... No, we never had that Never? No, no. Like, I, it just... Yeah. And it was never like this huge like focus on the grades or like, you know, it was yeah. always important. Like, hey, they do great. But I think, again, it was just different, I think, for me because I was just, I just had the self motivation right. versus maybe my, my, my siblings, right? Right. Were, right. Been a little bit different. And maybe there was, and maybe I just didn't know it. There was maybe a little more, more added conversation around doing well in school and what you need to do and from scholarship standpoint. But I think for me, just, I was kind of the, the kid that just didn't give a lot of headaches to yeah. my parents. Right. So they just let me do my thing. And I think it just, I was always, I think they just always deep down knew somehow, some way, like, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You'll be, that one will figure it out. He'll be fine. Yeah. The, okay, last question, then I'll let you go. In this in this retrospective with these questions, have you? When was the last time you changed your mind on something? What was when some? What was there a language of change that caused you to change your perspective? It doesn't have to be deep either, right? It could be something as simple as, "Hey, remember when David convinced you that DC movies suck?" You know what I mean? Like, remember when he said Aquaman was trash, and then you rewatched it, and he might have been right. But what what is? When was the last time you truly got your mind changed on anything? 
Because we're old now. We're old. We're old guys on the porch. You know, the, the, I got one that just just popped in my mind. Okay. So this this for the audience. This wasn't a uh, a pre question I was sent, so I'm on the spot. Yes. But this just popped in my. I remember this vividly a few years ago when, when me, you, and Ken were on the phone. We were just talking, and we were talking politics. Right? Yeah. And. You were like so heavily involved in like uh, the Democratic nominees and yeah, all the Democrats and all this. And I said like, God, I was like, dude, like I don't relate to being a Democrat or Republican. I yeah, this. right. And I'm like, God, it's just so much bullshit on both sides and da 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 da. Right. And you called me on my bullshit. You go, yo. All right. So let's look at some of the Republican policies. Let's look at some of the Republican policies. <laughs> you tell me. Which one do you most align with? So we, you bring yep. down a couple of them. I'm yep. Like, oh, shit. Of course, I'm a... Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when my... Not that I was, like, Republican or leaning right. Right, you were, like, independent. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just independent. And then I was like, you quickly changed my mind. <laughs> right. So would that be, like, the that stats or, like... No, but I think you also said, we talked about this, and we were talking about, I think, probably some hell-bent, awful racism thing that happened. But we had talked about how it has to affect you personally sometimes, right, to get through to people. So I would say for me, some of my biggest change in thought process around, like, the manhood, sexual violence, that type of stuff, and probably more like athlete worship for me, that, like, when I was... In my mid-30s, was like, hey, wait a minute. Maybe I don't need to be a groupie for these athletes now that I'm finding out stats and figures about false accusations and rape. That's probably mine. But because it had hit home with some stuff at Willamette first and then probably having a daughter, right? So some of that, like you had mentioned, like if it doesn't hit home with people, if there's not actual personal stake, it's hard to get them to change their mind. Right? Because I, you know, and there's like this, this, the Sean Watson stuff, for example, like I would have been 25 year old me would have been like, that's all bullshit. People are chasing money. But now that I know the numbers on false accusations being under 8%, I'm less like that guy. I mean, like we've talked about many times on here. I believed OJ for Christ's sake. I mean, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanted to disagree with all, yes, I wanted to believe he was innocent because of all the white people in Montana. I want that, yes. <laughs> we did. Cross the streams. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.